Welcome to the Witty and Gritty Podcast. Hosted by Brooke and Farron. Where you learn a little about a lot. And sometimes a lot about a little. Hey guys, this is episode 18. And it's another listener's choice. Right. So today we have Stephanie Frentrist, and we're interviewing her. We're going to talk about a couple things. But first, Farron, how do you even know this person? So I worked with Stephanie Frentress's mother-in-law, Kathy Frentress. Um, Shout out. Yeah. What's up, Kathy? We both taught at Sunnyvale Elementary School. All right. Good stuff. So... This episode is all about grief and kind of working through it and moving, moving, not necessarily moving on or moving past it, but just working through it, addressing truths and how to combat the lies in your head. So how did this all kind of get started with you, Farron? Right. So the idea of listener's choice is, you know, we feel called in this podcast to meet others' needs and help and, you know, do God's calling. And so um, I had a friend who lost her mom this past summer and uh, I saw her at church and it was a very difficult service and she had stepped out and so I was talking to her and she had just mentioned that there just weren't resources out there for using a losing a parent at such a young age and we went back into service and my heart just broke for her and I, I said God if you give me somebody to interview or talk to, I I will put that content out there into the world. Right, because that's what we've also said, that like, this is this is God has given us this creative desire to do this, and we are going to follow those little Holy Spirit tugs. So I'm glad that you did step out with her and kind of talk to her, and I'm glad that she was brave enough to tell you what she was feeling, because how can we help each other if we don't know what how to even work through that? So... After you prayed, just give me anything, God, and I'll do it. So tell us a little bit more. So then that afternoon, I was on Facebook counting down till the baby's nap time. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do that. <laughs> Is it time? She's really fussy. No, she's got to stay up another 30 minutes. Um, I was on Facebook, and I saw Stephanie Frentress had posted... It was the 16th anniversary of her mom's um, car accident where she died, and um, she felt like she was coming to somewhat of an end of her healing process, and that God was telling her it was time to share her story with the world so she could help others that are going through grief. And if anybody had a platform... You know, if they could just reach out, she'd be happy to share her story. Right. So how perfect is that? So you went to church that morning. You spoke with that, the person who's kind of our age about what she's kind of going through. You prayed during that service. And then that afternoon, God was like, hey, here you go. And even on her post, she said, if anyone has a platform. So here we are following the call. Because part of it is just being obedient. Yep. And so I hope you guys... um, There truly is something in this message for everybody. So if you're like, oh, I'm not grieving. I don't know anyone grieving. Next. No, stay tuned. I don't want to give anything away, but there is something for everyone in this message. And not to be like the bearer of bad news, but 
ultimately we're all going to face this tragedy someday um, and our friends are going to go through it too. There's just so much information for everybody out there. So I hope you enjoy. And also this is the, the date today that we're releasing this is 9-11. So we know a lot of people out there are still feeling very much a certain way about today. Um, some people weren't even born yet that are listening to this now. So uh, again, like you were saying, Farron, this really is something for everyone. You will experience this at some point in your life. So it's better to hear what some other people have tried. So that way you know kind of what to do from there. Yep. All right, here we go. Hey guys, I'm here with Stephanie Frentress today. Thanks for coming by. Thanks for having me. Yes, and she's here to tell her story. Um, She's been through uh, several challenges and uh, has been working on the healing process and felt called to share her story. So again, thanks for being here. Yeah, my story is pretty crazy. I've been through a lot in my 34 and a half years, Um, but I... God has brought me through a healing process that is amazing, and I just felt led to share it with others that might be going through the same grief and some of the same trials that I went through. So basically, um, at 17 years old, my world was completely rocked. Um, On the way home from a family vacation with my stepdad, my mom, and my best friend, we were hit by a driver high on methamphetamines, and... um, my mother was killed on impact. And I'm telling you, it's been a crazy road from living through that, um, surviving that, healing from that, um, and also grieving the loss of my mother in the process. Um, But it's been ups and downs for sure. And I know that others can relate to the grief that, you know, I've walked. And so I just want to help offer maybe some encouragement um, and some even just tips and some sympathy and let somebody know that I I know what they're going through and I have felt what they're feeling um, because it's not easy. Well, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your mom? So my mom was awesome, crazy. Um, She had me later in life. Um, She was 37. My sisters were uh, 13 and 15 when I was born. And so it's kind of like I had three mamas. Oh, yeah. But uh, my mom, she was very, her faith was very important to her. She raised us to love people well. She had a huge heart. Uh, I'm telling you, every Thanksgiving, half the people at the table you didn't know, uh, our door was always open. She was always reaching out to lend a hand. And I will tell you one thing about her is she did not have a lazy bone in her body. Every time I think back of her to remember her, I just remember her constantly working, constantly Mm -hmm. giving, constantly pouring out of herself. She could be very bossy at times, (laughs) I'm not going to lie. She liked the things the way she liked them, and she would tell you about yourself. Uh But she kept everything together. She was the glue that held our family together. She held me and my sisters together, Um, you know, took care of of my grandparents and all of us. And So it really rocked all of our worlds um, whenever she wasn't there anymore. Mm -hmm. So were you guys, you said you were coming back from vacation. Were you on the highway or? Yeah, so we were on a road, it's Highway 31 between Athens and Brownsboro, Texas, if any of y'all know where that is. (laughs) Um, We were coming home one morning, um, going about 70. The girl uh, ended up passing out behind the wheel, so her foot got heavy, the police 
estimated she was going about 110. She crossed over like four lanes of traffic um, and just hit us like right in uh, the front, like light right where my mom was, like front passenger right side. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my mother was killed on impact. Uh, it completely crushed her um, and me both broke my arms, my legs, my back and crushed my pelvis. And so what's crazy is, you know, the I don't have much memory of that moment, you know, or, or that day. But I do know that it's hard to fathom one minute you're there with somebody mm-hmm. and you think you will always have them. Right. Um, and then the next thing that you know, you never see them again. Mm. And there's nothing really to prepare you ever for that. There's no uh, books or guidelines as to how to all of a sudden just not have somebody in your life anymore whom you think you will always have. Mm-hmm. But with life comes death, and we all have to deal, like we all, I'm sure, have dealt with it in some way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that it's any easier if it's expected. Right. Like, you know, I've, I've had friends that have lost um, family members due to cancer mm-hmm. or, or things that they knew were coming. Yeah. And people have asked me, you know, whether I thought it was easier or worse if it that it came out of nowhere, right? And I don't, I can't answer that except I know that either way, it is a huge, devastating loss. You feel like part of you is missing, and it feels like you just don't know where your next breath is coming from. Yeah, I feel like I may have even been guilty of saying or asking to like, well, at least with a slow process, not great but like cancer you get Mm -hmm. time and you know it's coming versus would you rather it just be short and they're not suffering so yeah ultimately it sounds like either way you get to the same conclusion yes yeah either way you don't have them anymore yeah whether you're able to say your goodbyes I guess as people would say or in my case nothing at all um I don't know that the hurt would be any less Mm -hmm. you know I I don't know, maybe peace in your heart that you, but you know, but I've been able, in my own way, I've talked to her right. since then. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I've said what I needed to say um, since then. But I'll tell you, it feels like the, like I was saying to you earlier, it feels like waves. The only way I know how to express what grief has felt like to me um, is waves of an ocean. Like I've been, at the beach before where it got really big really fast and got scary and you go out a little too deep and it feels like the waves are just keep washing over you and washing over you and every time you come up to gasp for air it feels like another one is hitting you and when I first when grief first really hit me um that's what it felt like I didn't know when my next breath was coming or when I could get it if I was going to be able to get enough air to withstand the next wave that was about to hit you feel like you can't stop crying you can't you don't want to get up and go forward with your day because you feel like everybody else is moving forward and you are stuck Mm -hmm. it's like the world is in fast forward but you're in slow motion Mm -hmm. nothing makes sense or quite is right and you always feel like if anybody says anything to you you're gonna just burst into tears again like the lump in your throat or that feeling in your gut just mm-hmm. won't go away. And so, you know, I don't I don't necessarily think that time eases all uh, pain. 
But I do think that eventually with time, it does get easier Mm -hmm. because I feel like the waves come further apart. They get a little less high, they get a little less scary, Mm -hmm. and they come a little slower. And so also, sometimes though, a big one will come and hit you out of nowhere. You know, like you'll just be going about your day and here it is, it's it has been 16 years since my mom passed away. Mm-hmm. I can just now, if we had to have this conversation oh, a yeah. few years <laughs> after even, every time I would speak about her, I would bawl. Mm-hmm. Now I can speak about her and be happy and, rem- you know, remember her, but it doesn't, sometimes it makes me cry, yeah. but I, it's not the same as it was. The grief is not as, as deep. And that has been a long healing process that's been because of many different things Mm -hmm. um because of my faith because of support and because uh, you know of my family and because of time I think have all helped those things and just to give the audience a little more perspective Mm because you shared earlier in the pre-interview that your grief was a delayed grief so the accident happened impact um who was all injured yeah, so my stepfather was injured. Um, of course, my friend was injured. Hers was uh, more brain damage. Mm. Mine was more body damage. Okay. So my brain was intact. Well, so they tell- <laughs> so they tell me it was intact. Yes. <laughs> I think it is. Thank you, you sound very intelligent. Thank right you. Now. Um, hers, you know, she suffered a lot of brain trauma and one broken leg. Also, the girls in the other car. There were two actually: the driver and a passenger. Um, they were, you know, the driver only had like one broken leg, I believe. They found her in the back seat. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, and the driver was seriously injured. The last thing we've heard about her, we haven't gotten much from her, but the last thing we knew was she was actually paralyzed on one side. Okay. So, yeah, it was pretty major. But my, as we were talking about, I was fighting for my life. So they didn't even think I would live. My sisters were not only in the process of burying my mother or trying to plan this funeral that they didn't expect but all of a sudden my mom was 54 by the way mm. so they were all of a sudden have being thrown into preparing her f- funeral but then at the same time thinking that they were going to have to plan mine they were going to do like a, a double funeral because they didn't think I would last through the first a day mm-hmm. uh, but I kept hanging around and then the next day and then the next day and then the next day and finally by day five or my sister uh, can vouch for me maybe day five or day six um, they finally got me back and tried to start doing some surgeries to repair all of the brokenness um, because they're like hey okay she's still like alive so let's try to start mending some of these things um, Wow! but I had you know, pneumonia in both lungs, collapsed lung, chest tubes, ventilator. Um, It's not like I was in a place where I could grieve the loss or even understand that my mom was gone. Mm -hmm. So I remember my sister walking into the emergency room. What day? Okay, so this was the first day. The same day? The same day. The very first memory I have is having my eyes open, and I had no idea what had happened to me physically, but... I knew that my sister's face, the look of horror on yeah. her face looking over at me, I knew it had to be bad. Right. Um, but I didn't know to what extent. I just mm. knew this sucked. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's all I could think was like, this is really bad. 
Um, and then I remember her coming back in the room at some point. It's all very blurry, but she did say Stephanie mom didn't make it. I do remember those words coming out of her mouth. And I remember like trying, like feeling like I was going to cry, but then there were, my face was like literally down to like the skull and like opened up Bur oh like gosh. um split open so i remember the pain of even like you know when your face grimaces to mm -hmm. like cry i couldn't show any emotion because the pain was so bad and then i don't remember anything else really except constant pain until like days after i remember asking when mom's funeral was i was wanting to go i guess um but there was no way i was still in icu but i remember them saying like that was like nine days ago so, I never said goodbye or had a funeral I, uh, or saw her one last time or, you know, how people go through the motions of grieving that person and walking past the casket mm -hmm. or laying a flower or going to the cemetery or saying goodbye. I, I did none of those things. So, my experience with grief may look a lot different than some of the listeners, you know, but yet, I do feel like it all goes back to the same hurt and the same pain because the grief really, really hit me about seven or eight months later. Mm -hmm. um, we finally got me to where I could sit up. And uh, by the grace of God, I was able to make it and sit up. Um, what were doctors saying? Yeah. Were they giving you any stats or you got this percent chance of living or walking or... Yeah, so at first it was really bad that uh, they didn't think I would live. You know, right. I told my sisters we're hoping for the best but prepare for the worst type thing. Mm -hmm. Then once I hung around, right. they surprise. said... Yeah, surprise. <laughs> they said, uh, well, she's not out of the woods, but she will probably make it unless she gets pneumonia on top of all of this. Well, the next day I got pneumonia in both lungs. So then... The outlook was really grim. Um, but by, pre like, literally my church all gathered and began, everybody was praying and praying. I mean, from all over the U.S., we had people praying um, and everything. They even stopped at my mother's funeral and everybody was praying for me because wow. I wasn't there. And I'm telling you what, prayer changes things because um, the night that my stash, my uh, oxygen levels kept just going down and down and down and, and even on the ventilator, I just wasn't responding or getting enough air. And the nurse uh, accidentally left my left hand. The only um, limb that I had that I could still move was my left arm. And she accidentally left it untied from the bed when she gave me a sponge bath. Mm -hmm. And the minute she left... I was done. I felt like I was constantly drowning or being smothered. I don't know if any of the listeners have ever been on a vent. Oh gosh. <laughs> but if you have, it is probably the scariest thing I've ever endured because I was awake. A lot of people are asleep when they're on a vent, but my, there was so much adrenaline. I had such severe pain that they could not knock me out. They said we've given her enough to tranquilize a horse. She will not go out. So most people are sleeping peacefully while on a vent, and I was fighting it the whole time. Because, you know, when we take a breath, yeah, you pull in and then you feel your lungs expand and it's just this mental thing. Uh -huh. When you are not the one that is breathing in, yeah. you feel like you're being suffocated, uh -huh. even though your body may be getting the oxygen. Mm -hmm. So sorry, I just remember no. that being so awful. Um, 
And so when she walked out, my first reaction was to get that out. And so I actually excavated myself. Oh my (laughs) gosh. I know there are nurses listening that are like, she what? What? (laughs) Yeah. So what's crazy is I am not a nurse, so I did not know, nor am I a doctor or medical field at all. So what I didn't know is there's like a technique to this, right? (laughs) And you're supposed to, apparently there's this, correct me if I'm wrong, anybody, but there's like this bubble or something that's inflated, right? And when I went to pull, all I know is I yanked it and it got caught. Oh, no. And so when it got caught in my throat, I panicked and I ripped as hard as I possibly could. And it actually came out, but it damaged my vocal cords. Oh, so I couldn't no. talk for like two weeks. But as you can see, it came back. Yeah. Those healed. Um, but I, you know, prayer, what I was saying, just changes things because immediately all the doctors and nurses ran in around my bedside to check on me because all the alarms were I was going right? to say, yeah. And they're thinking they're going to have to hurry up and, you know, put, replace it or whatever. And then somebody, I just remember hearing a voice say, wait, she's breathing. Mm-hmm. And my oxygen levels began to rise. And from that moment on, I was breathing on my own. Wow. Yes. Wow. So- <laughs> that was around the same time everyone was praying for you, Yes, right? yes. So oh. it's just crazy. And so I'm just saying all of that to say I was fighting for my own life. So I was in a survival mode for so long that the reality that mom wasn't there had not hit. So I knew she was gone. My mind knew that she was gone. My I just don't know if my heart had caught up because somebody would talk to her and I, about her and I would cry. Um, I just remember, you know when you're sick, I don't care how old you are, if you are very sick or going through something really horrible, you want your mom. Yep. You just do. You want her to show up. And I felt almost angry. Mm-hmm. I remember feeling angry yeah. at her. Like... Not that it's her fault, but maybe you can re- anybody out there can relate. Like, I felt angry with her because I was hurting so bad and I needed her so much and she was nowhere. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have a parent. Like, my dad, my real father, never really was in my life until after this. And then, um, you know, my stepdad, he had to go back home. I had to stay out of town, like where the hospital was. And he had to go back where our home was, which was like three hours away. Mm-hmm. And so I had no parents. You know, thankfully, I had my sisters who were, you know, amazing. But it's just not the same without your mom. And so I remember just missing her, but being mad that she wasn't there and being hurt that she wasn't there and then feeling guilty for feeling the way <laughs> yeah. I did. Um, and so you're, it's just this constant battle. And so when I went back home and I stepped through those doors to see the home that we had once been at together, um, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I think I thought going home was going to be okay and it wasn't okay. Yeah. And, um, so anyways, long story short, I turned in, I turned to a lot of unhealthy behaviors for a while. I was a teenager, trying to recover and find out what life was going to look like and then not having a mother. And everybody felt sorry for me, so nobody would step in and parent me. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, And so it was just a really hard place to be in. And I remember waking up one morning, and my brother-in-law was actually at the house, and he was cooking breakfast. And that was my mom's big thing. You would wake up to the smell of like bacon and eggs <sighs> and coffee. She was a big breakfast person. And I remember smelling 
the smell of like the bacon or whatever it was and that for a minute you think like oh, like you know your heart like you literally think she's here and then very quickly as quickly as the thought comes that wave crashes back over you of no mm-hmm. she's not and so that was hard I've heard a lot of great things that while you do have a unique story and we talked before that everyone's grieving process is going to be unique to them as well. Um, I've talked to people where it's kind of like they're caught up in all the funeral arrangements and um, decisions, whether it's a hospital or hospice, that it's like when it gets quiet and slows down and there's nothing else to put your focus on, that can be when the grief catches up too. Yes. I'm sure it hits later for them as well. I've heard the same thing because like they're in survival mode too. So like I said, I was in a type of survival mode, but they're also in a type of survival mode, just getting through and Mm -hmm. being there for everybody. And you have all the visitors coming and you have people showing up with meals or whatever it is. And then when all of that, you, what you realize is it's a very lonely feeling um, because you feel like the rest of the world has moved on Mm -hmm. and you have not and they have to like I mean you expect they do have to move on people the world keeps going but you're almost mad and you're hurt that everybody else isn't stopped with you yeah you know what I mean so I'm gonna stop here longer some days because if I'd move on then what's gonna happen exactly it's almost like that feeling guilty of to move on it's like I love okay so sorry I'm gonna jump no go for it I our pastor's wife, um, her name is Judy, and she had written a book. She lost a son, which I cannot fathom. Um, I, I'm a mother. I have two children, and losing a mother is one thing. Um, I can. I, I hope I never know what it's like yeah. to grieve a child. But I will say she did, and she wrote a book um, called Who Washed the Sky? And I did read this book. I've read other ones as well. I just, this is the one that it's just, um, say her name. Oh, Judy Kennedy. All right. Is her name. She's amazing. And so the book's called Who Washed the Sky? And it's about her, about her going through the grieving process over her son. But I love, um, you know, there's, she says in there, I'm trying to remember what it was. Yeah. I love when she says, pain cannot measure love. Because sometimes you feel guilty if you ever, once you finally have a day that you don't hurt. When a day comes that maybe you make it through the whole day Mm -hmm. and you don't think about that person. And then you feel guilty that you didn't think about that person. You feel guilty that you didn't sit and cry about it for however long that day. Because it's a sign that you're moving on. Maybe, or that you're forgetting their memory or that you're dishonoring their memory. And the truth is, is that that's not it at all. Like, you still love them so huge. And just because the pain gets less, I want I want people to hear this. If Just because your pain eventually begins to get less does not mean your love for that person is any less. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I've never heard that before. Yeah, I mean, really. Because that's, I, I know that people that have grieved, I guarantee you, they've felt that. Because you feel the minute you let yourself move on with your life, mm-hmm. that somehow that's loving them less or saying that you're forgetting about them or that you're moving on. And that's not it at all. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that you have to be there for the ones that are, are still here. You know what I mean? The, the family that you still have and the love that you still 
you know, we're all blessed with this life and we don't know if, it, if it's going to end tomorrow or if it's going to end 50 years from now. All we have is today and this moment. And so I had to eventually get to where I could live in the moment. And sometimes you're surviving second by second, minute by minute, hour by hour. And then sometimes it'll go now, 16 years later, it will be months mm -hmm. or it will be, you know, I, what reminds me of my mom, I'm sure everybody has something that whoever they've lost, there'll be something that triggers your memory of them. So for me, it's hummingbirds. Mm -hmm. My mother loved hummingbirds. She painted, she was an artist. She painted hummingbirds. She had hummingbird feeders outside of her home. Uh, she collected hummingbirds. And so I actually have a hummingbird tattoo now that I got on my foot. And in her, her writing, it says love. She had written me a note a month before she passed away. And at the bottom said love mom. And I got her, her writing is something special. I feel yeah. like when you see somebody's handwriting, it, it really means something. Mm -hmm. So I will go back and I will read things that she's written or open her Bible and read notes that she left. And it just helps you feel connected to that person. And for me, hummingbirds are my, my thing that help me feel connected to her. And so every time I see one, you know, I'll mm -hmm. think of her. If I see a painting or me and my sisters will get each other hummingbird gifts, you know, rings or necklaces or anything that has a hummingbird on it because to us that represents her. Yeah. And so it's cool to have some sort of a symbol or something like that that just it helps you, you know, something to hold on to, something tangible. Well, I'm just sitting here taking in like your wisdom um, your piece on this subject matter. Um, and I kind of want to go back because um, I think I changed the subject on you earlier when you had said, you know, you walked through the door, you weren't expecting the grief to hit you like it did, mm -hmm. um, and you didn't just magically get to where you are today. No. So um, you walk in, you're hit with this grief, you're mad at people because yeah. <laughs> everyone's moving mm -hmm. on. How do you get from that to where you are today? Well, it has been a 16-year-long process, but I will tell you um, my support system with my church family, my real family, my friends has been uh, amazing. I'm blessed to have the people in my life that I've had because I had people to come around me and like pick up the pieces and love on me when I didn't have my mom too. Let me ask you real quick. Mm -hmm. Did you lean on them at first or did they have to kind of come in when you weren't asking for it or maybe you were asking for it in the wrong way? Just yeah. for people out there that might be supporting someone else going through a grieving process. Yes. Well, I will say just a piece of advice. I was young, okay, and really dumb. Um, but I went to self-medicate. Um, I was on painkillers, of course, mm -hmm. um, because of everything that had happened. Um, but I began to um, kind of act out because of my anger, even though God, my faith was very strong and God had gotten me through so much. But yet when that grief hit, um, try, don't turn to pills or alcohol or anything right because sometimes to help the sleep or just to help mm -hmm. the thoughts or to help the grief go away but what ends up happening is I turn to that um for too long and too much and what ends up happening is an addiction forms or it, it's your way of coping and 
that really did a lot more damage than it did good for, I would say, a good year. Um, finally, I can't tell you the exact moment, really. Um, I just began to decide that I couldn't live like that anymore. Mm -hmm. It felt really good to have somebody to be mad at. I'll be honest with you, we directed... So I'm going to go back a little bit to the girl that hit us in the wreck. Um, she was only 18 years old, and she had made a really bad decision. She had been on a three-day meth binge, is, she's, is what she told us, or what she said in court, um, and then had fallen asleep behind the wheel of the car and hit us. So it's super easy to all of our anger and all of our grief to put it on her. People need somebody to blame. We really, really, really need somebody to blame. Mm -hmm. So you, if you don't have a physical person, I had a person to blame. So I didn't blame God because I had this chick to blame. Yeah. But if you don't have an actual person to blame, I'm sure it's super easy to blame God. He's the next. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're the one that can control everything. And so uh, you are the one that must have caused this. And so it's easy to blame him. I did not go through the blaming God um, thing because I had her. Mm -hmm. And so I definitely blamed her. And I had so much hate and anger and bitterness and resentment, and every time I would hurt, physically hurt, or have another surgery, I've had about 40 surgeries, I quit counting at 40, to keep me walking and moving and going, but the thing is, is every time one of those things would happen, or I would hurt, or my mom wasn't there for my high school graduation, my mom wasn't there for my marriage, my mom wasn't there the day my babies were born, and I was mad, mm -hmm. I was hurt, I was sad, and so I wanted to blame her and hate her, Mm -hmm. And what happens is, though, you hate and hate and hate. And I've heard, hate is like drinking a poison and that's killing you, but you're hoping it's going to kill the other person. Like, I'm sitting here hating and being so angry. And that's a whole other story. Of But I finally got to a place where I could no longer be the victim. Mm -hmm. I could sit and everybody would feel sorry for me. Yeah. All I have to do is tell the story. Yeah. Everybody's going to help you throw a pity party, and you can sit and cry and be just fine sitting there in your grief and in this victim mentality, but what it's going to do is it's going to paralyze you from ever moving forward. Mm -hmm. And to fully be, like, victorious from this, like, to fully move on and to fully heal, because I like to say I went from being a victim to being victorious over the situation, but... It oh, really say that again. Went from being a victim to being victorious. Write it down. Yes. And it came from finally choosing to forgive no matter what the outcome. And that's very hard. I will tell you, if somebody comes to you and apologizes and their actions change, it's very easy to forgive. Well, it's easier to easier. forgive. Yeah. If there's no change and no sorry, that's a whole different situation. And Which situation did you have? Yes, I had the <laughs> situation where there was not a, a sorry or feeling like, you know, not for a long time at least. Um, she didn't even go to jail for two years. She lived free on, and, and lived her life and had a child, another child, and... We, as we're paralyzed in our grief, she's just moving on with her life and had her mother to help her and all of these things. And so the anger just keeps building and all you want to do is make that person pay. And so we fought to make her pay. Me and my sisters, my, it was our, our job. Mm -hmm. I felt like it was honoring our mother 
Like, you're not going to forget about her. Nobody's going to forget about her. We went to the news. We went, like, we didn't care. We were going to get her justice. And so finally she was arrested and, um, you know, sentenced two years later. And she was sentenced to seven years in prison. And, you know, my sister tells a story uh, about how every single year you have to go again before the parole board and fight to keep them in prison. And it's like any bit of of wound that has begun to heal. Any scab that has begun to form is being re-ripped off every single time you have to go through that again. I did not know that. Yes. Okay. So if they're up, they will tell you, the parole board will come and say, you know, she's up for parole, but you can fight, you know, they want to hear from the family and you have to re-fight it again. You have to retell your story. You have to tell why she deserves to be in there. And finally, you know, year five, mm-hmm. after we fought and fought and fought, you know, my sister had a big breakthrough. She was kind of, after my mom was gone, my middle sister Amy became that that rock, mm-hmm. right? Because she quit her job to care for me 24-7, or I would have been awarded the state, like wow. in a bed, in a facility. And she quit her entire life, put it on hold, to care for me 24-7. Like my, you know, I had nurses and all this kind of stuff, but she was the one that cared for me. And so you talk about anger, she was angry too. And so... I remember we got a letter from the girl, finally. And it did say that she was sorry, you know, and but it was written like a little girl had written it. Mm -hmm. Like your child, like little hearts above the eyes and big bubble letters. Kind of like she was stuck back in sixth or seventh grade. Right. And all of a sudden, my sister had a daughter at that time, a little girl about that age, and she said it literally looked like Emily, her daughter Emily, had written that letter. Mm-hmm. And when she shows it to me and lets me read it, we just sat there and wept because it's like the Lord showed us that she also was his child. Mm. And yes, she had made a really awful decision, but that he loved her just as much as he loved us. And we very easily, without his grace and love, could have been in that same position. I had went to alcohol and went to prescription painkillers. And who's to say... That I wouldn't have made a horrible decision and hurt somebody too, mm-hmm. and that's when you have to realize the grace that you have been shown. Have to show, you know, who are we not to also extend that grace? And what happened was, is it didn't not only did it do her good, but it did me a world of good. It's like a weight lifted off of my shoulders. Like I don't have to sit and be angry and bitter and waste my time with this anymore. Like. I have a life to live. Like, you know what I mean? And only can, you can relate to people only when you've walked it. And so it's like, I'm, you know, I'm thankful. Yes, I miss my mother every single day. When I think about it, it just kills you, you know? But at the same time, being able to be there for people that have also are in this right now and Mm -hmm. saying, listen, I know you feel like you were in a pit that you can't get out of, but listen here, sister, like, things are going to get easier, and let me, like, I'm going to reach down in the pit, let me help you pull, like, let me help you get back out of this. Now I can say, I've been where you've been, I've walked where you've walked, I've felt what you've felt, and you will survive this. Mm-hmm. There is a life after grief. Mm-hmm. There is still a life to live. Do you think that mm-hmm. sometimes it was easier to be angry than feel the sadness and kind of work through that oh yeah oh yeah I mean legitimately a lot of people would feel totally entitled to be angry but do you think that that anger 
maybe even some adrenaline felt much better than dealing with the sadness. Yes, yes. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's almost easier to be angry than to let yourself go and actually feel the grief. And listen, there's days where you just have to let yourself go there. Let yourself feel, like, I would be scared to even start to cry. Or if anybody asked me about her, it's like one of those things you're like, shh, shh, shh. Like, yeah, please don't, please don't, please don't. <laughs> because you know that it's about to wreck shop and you're not going to be able to get your crap back together. Yeah. But sometimes you just need to sit and bawl and, like, get it out and cry mm-hmm. and then wipe the tears. It's not, it's okay to go there. It's okay to to let yourself grieve and to go there. And there's no rule, I don't think, on how long like you're allowed to grieve. But at the same time, you can't let yourself stay there. Mm-hmm. You need to like eventually wipe your face, step back out. And I've, I've always thought, like, what would my mom would my mom want me to be sitting here, yeah. continuing just to grieve over her, or would that grieve her heart that it stopped me from leaving? Yeah. Like, I want to live for her. Right. Like, I want to experience things now and live life to the absolute fullest because I'm not promised tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Because none of us know if we're not going to get behind the wheel of a car and, and this is going to happen. Yeah. Like, we never know. So that's why every moment, I think what sh- it's shown me, what grieving like this has shown me, is every moment is so stinking precious. Like, every person that's in front of you is the most important person like thanks yes (laughs) you are the most important person you're the most important person for me too no you just never know true like when you're gonna have that moment back when Mm. you're gonna have that that time with that person back and so I don't know I just think it's taught me to love really really big and really really well and I'm thankful I'm I'm really really thankful for that so I've heard that forgiveness was a key piece Mm -hmm. in your healing Mm -hmm. did you just wake up one day with this idea that you know tomorrow's not a guarantee I'm gonna I want to work through this did did you go to therapy did you I probably should have no (laughs) you probably had a different form of therapy but not what you would call therapy Therapy. yeah yeah I, I actually though I thought about it many times but here's the thing for me I stayed involved um, in church, and I did talk to our, you know, I would reach out to go to therapy. I think it's a great idea. I don't know that I, quote, unquote, went. I didn't, like, see a therapist and go every week. Mm -hmm. But I met with people that I trusted and highly admired Mm -hmm. that had also walked through grief. Okay. And I was able to share my heart with them and them talk to me. Mm-hmm. And even like I spoke about my pastor's wife, Judy Kennedy, she's not the only one that I spoke to, but she was a very key piece later on. When I met her, I was pregnant with my second child. And I, it's extremely hard to go through holidays and special occasions. I'll tell you, as the waves start to get less and less, like I said, and then all of a sudden the big ones will hit. I'm going to tell you when they're going to hit, just so you have a heads up. Okay, they're going to hit on holidays, Christmas especially for me. They're going to hit on the birthday of that person, on the death day of that person, Mm -hmm. and any stinking special day you have. So, my graduation, 
bawled through the whole thing extremely hard because you feel like that's something it's it's things that you would definitely expect them to be at and be your number one supporter yeah there's nobody that's going to root for you like your mama amen yeah i mean yeah other people i mean that piece of artwork that's not gorgeous to everybody <laughs> the but macaroni mom, artwork exactly <laughs> but to mama it's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen well and you're seeing everyone else's moms there yes and, and everybody mm. cheering them them on and and i did have a cheering section yes. shout out to my cheering section but you're always looking for her and so then my i think the next hardest day would have probably been my wedding oh my goodness like it hurts so bad. And why it's hard is it's because it's like one of the happiest days of your life. And then mm. you have this sting of grief in the middle of it. Mm. Um, because you want to be so happy, but yet it's so sad. Because yeah. you feel like there's that empty chair like with her name on it. And she should be there and she's not. And you want to share that joy with her. And for me, since it happened at 17, I almost have my life with my mother. And then I have my life... Like, mm. my, my husband never knew her. My in-laws never knew her. All of the friends and family I have now at the church, I have never knew her. So it's it's very strange because it's like one life with her, and then I've almost had as many years without her as I did with her. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of crazy to help keep the memory of her alive, but yet without staying in grief all the time. So I share funny moments with my kids, like they know who she was and they know about her but they don't they don't they're not having to walk the grief mm-hmm. of her because they never knew her so it would be different if you're listening you have children that knew the loved one right that's going to be a totally different process but with all I know is what I've experienced and what I've experienced I wanted them to know her I wanted them to know that if she were here, that she loves them and is proud of them and they are going to see her one day mm-hmm. and they it's going to be like the coolest meeting ever um but I say, you know, she loved her grandkids so much because the rest of my niece and nephews didn't right. know her. And I say, she loved them so big and she would love you so much. Yeah. Like, And I'll say, like, but you want to call, like, my, if my son's going into middle school mm-hmm. and he's going to be on the tennis team. And it's like, I want to grab the phone. Still, after all these years, you want to grab the phone and call her and be like, guess what? He's made Aww. the tennis team. Like, yeah. you want somebody that's going to, rejoice over your children like you rejoice Mm -hmm. but I'll tell you God's been so good to me because he has given me a mother-in-law oh good that so he answered my prayers you have no idea because he gave them a grandmother who loves them fiercely and somebody who loves me like I were hers so when I need that person on the other end of the phone to be Love the macaroni art. Yes, yes. (laughs) When I need somebody to love the macaroni art as much as I love the macaroni art, I have a person. Yeah. And so it's just amazing, like, the beauty in all of it. Mm -hmm. To have extreme grief, there has to have been extreme love. Oh, my gosh. Say it again. Yes, to have extreme grief. I'm giving myself goosebumps. (laughs) You have to have experienced extreme love. And so how blessed are we Mm -hmm. if you're like if you're on if you're listening to this right now and you were in the pit of that sickening grief where the waves are crashing you so hard that you can't breathe and you know exactly what I'm talking about and you don't know where do I go from here 
just know that means that you were loved so deeply by somebody and you got the chance to love somebody that deeply. Mm-hmm. And man, what a reunion. Oh, like, yeah. Like, I mean, I so believe that my faith mm-hmm. um, also has been a huge part of it because if I did not believe wholeheartedly that I would see her again, if I thought that was it and I would never be reunited with her, I feel like it would be so much harder. Right. Then now I have this hope mm-hmm. that's of of being with her again and getting to see her again. And I've had dreams of her, um, you know, and things like that, that you wake up feeling like you've actually been with her, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, God's just good like that. Let me ask you, mm-hmm. um, where did losing her ever challenge your faith and... A specific example, mm-hmm. was it hard to go see people at church? Because they were going to be like, I'm praying yeah, for you. Praying. Come here. Oh, you're here. And all this attention to where you're like, oh, man, I, I love God. I'd like to go to church. But I don't even know if I want to go to church because of all. Because you don't want to have to face all of Gosh, it. Gosh. Yeah, yes. yeah. It was, it was a lot. Um, it's hard. I am a people person. So I feed off of being around people and being surrounded by people. But when you finally feel like you have just gotten yourself together uh, and and you're not going to cry and then you walk into a place and people are like, how are you doing? And the minute somebody asks, how are you doing? Then you bawl. Uh, You're like, please just don't ask. But on the same note, this is so hard because everybody needs different things. And Mm -hmm. so if you're listening and you, you, somebody you love is going through grief and you don't know how to love them I would say because if nobody did come up and ask me yeah then I probably would have been stinking butthurt that nobody asked me Uh so that's very hard you just have to know pray and ask the Lord yeah (laughs) Lord help me to say the right thing and to love them well in the way they're needing it Mm -hmm. and kind of you know you can kind of read off of people because the thing is is that they need to know that people remember. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I would say, I'll tell you what meant the most. Okay. Getting a card oh. in the mail, mm-hmm. like on my mom's birthday. On a special day that only a day that I'm going to be hurting and mm-hmm. would know, mm-hmm. I had a friend when, that remembered that it was going to be that day, right? And that day was going to be tough. And sent a card not Mm -hmm. a text because we all text and messenger sometimes it's crazy amazing just to get an actual card in the mail Uh and when I open that it's like I I wasn't being bombarded when I walked into church I wasn't you know in a thing like that but it was just an amazing thing to open the mailbox and know somebody was thinking about me somebody knew I would be grieving that day and somebody was praying for me and supporting me. So mm-hmm. if you think about it, if, if you're trying to support somebody going through a grieving process, I say they're going to get bombarded with, with cards and meals and all oh, these yeah. things right at the beginning. But how about in a few weeks? How about in maybe in a few months or at the year anniversary? I can't tell you how huge that is because you do realize people still remember. Right. Because you said yeah. earlier, you already feel like the world's moving on and that's mm-hmm. hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, like the anniversary comes around and it's a reminder yeah. that like you and your family and her close friends are still like the only ones. Yeah. And sometimes so. people won't say anything at all because they don't know what to say. Yeah. But I'll say it feels better to know that they're thinking of you and thinking of the lost loved one, honestly, 
Um, I think if you don't say anything at all and just pretend like it didn't happen, trust me, to the person there, they didn't forget, and it definitely did happen. And so it's better, in my opinion. Yes. In my opinion, for me, it was better if people recognized it and didn't, you know, didn't have to say the right thing, just a simple hug or a smile or saying, I know this must be very difficult and just mm-hmm. wanted you to know we're thinking about you. Something as simple as that can mean the world to you. So, um, I do think you were blessed with a, mo- a great mother-in-law <laughs> yes. I used to work with her. Yes. At what point did you meet your husband? Had you forgiven the other driver? Were you still deep in your grief? What stage would you say you were at when yeah. you met him? I was kind of still in the thick of a lot of it. Um, I had done some forgiving, I thought, until things would come up. Until, you know, like I say, it would come back. Forgiveness, I have found out on the journey, I don't know if I said this earlier, is literally a di- you have to sometimes choose to do it again and again and again. Mm-hmm. It's not a one and done. Like, because it will creep back up. Like, okay, Lord, you got to take this again. Like, I, you know, actually forgive her again. Um, what were some signs that you, like, again, you said you thought you had forgiven her. Mm-hmm. What were some signs that you were like, okay, maybe. Maybe I have Maybe not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in case some people are having trouble identifying them within with themselves. Yeah. Yes. Um, just anger. Exactly. Yeah. Anger and just. Oh, yeah, that bitterness and anger raging up in you again um, mainly would be due to her actions. Mm -hmm. So once she got out, it's easy to feel like I almost thought if she comes full circle, if she gets her life back together, if she completely is off drugs, if she gives her heart to the Lord, like then it will all be for something, yeah. right? You want to feel like mm-hmm. if I had to give up something, you want to get something in return. Like, so if if mom had to almost sacrifice her life is what it felt like, at least if it was for this redemption story of this mm-hmm. girl, then it would have been for something. And then when she came out of prison, and yes, she has been clean, so I will give her that. But to see her go back to the the same life and the same people and the same dysfunction and the same um, environment environment yeah. and the same oh it, it almost yes it yes. hurts you to see that it hasn't come like it's like oh you just want to get mad because you're like if you had a second chance <sighs> and mom didn't and like so get your act together like it make it would make me mad but forgiveness is not it's unconditional it's like love love is unconditional and forgiveness god's forgiveness is unconditional because if it's conditional it's not the same forgiveness is no matter what she does Mm -hmm. because it's not for her it's for me forgiveness Mm -hmm. is for me not for the other person Mm -hmm. like it's not so she feels because if i keep hating her it's hurting her none, but it's hurting me a lot. Right. And so I'm suffering because of it. But to let it go and truly forgive is actually a gift to yourself, not to the other person. You're not saying it's okay. You're not saying that it's all forgotten and everything is peachy. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you're saying, I'm not going to hold this and carry it anymore and let it eat me alive. Yeah. And so every time that comes up, I'm like, no, Lord, you have to take it back. Like, this is something I'm not going to carry. Mm-hmm. I choose to carry with me. And I still have full faith that she will. Like, I still have hope that her yeah. life will change. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But I have to have forgiveness either way for myself, for my family, for my kids. And to answer your question, I met my husband actually on a missions trip to Romania. 
which is crazy because I had a really bad limp and I had just learned to walk again. But I think I had to get away. Mm. I needed an escape from the mm-hmm. surgeries and from feeling like the sick one. I was always the one damaged or sick and everybody's asking, are you okay? And trying to love me well, but as I'm limping around looking like an idiot and I, at this point I thought I will never get married. I will never find anybody that will walk this road with me of, of surgery after surgery and not knowing how long I'm going to be able to walk. Like, or anyways, it's a long story, but how everything grew back. I didn't even have an answer as to how long I would be able to walk or be out of a wheelchair. Everything was very up in the air, and every year I had at least one surgery, if not more. And so I thought, no, at this time I'm like 19 years old, no 19 to 20-year-old guy is going to go for this, right? And I was told that I would never have be able to carry or have children. So also that was something else I was going to have to share with him. Well, and grieve. And and (laughs) grieve. And so I grieved the not only mom, but the entire life I thought that I had. But what's cool is his ways are higher than ours and his plans are so much more than we could ever dream mm-hmm. that my life has been hard but beautifully hard. Like there's been so much beauty in all of the mess and all of the trials. It's just amazing to me how you don't see him in the middle of it when you're going through it sometimes and then as you look back you see his fingerprints through all of it. And so, um, is that what you use to keep moving forward? Because I yeah. swear you radiate light with what you just said, <laughs> like about just how his way is higher than our yeah. way, and just you just radiate that light. And yeah. so, on the days when you're like, ah, oh, do you look at how far you've come and the role God's played to Absolutely. help keep you going? Absolutely. Because here's the thing: there were times. Listen, I did not always radiate light. I did not always was super positive about this. There were there were years where I was depressed and down and and hurt. I mean, really hurt. And there I remember, let me just take you to the depth of despair. I remember being in the hospital bed, not able to move, not thinking I would ever walk, ever have a family, ever have children. Never, 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 never. All the plans I had for myself were never coming to pass. My entire right arm was paralyzed and it was never going to come back, okay? I had heard never, 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 never so many times. And I'm at a place where it was the summer between my junior and senior year. I had already made varsity mascot. I was a goofy one in the suit. I had already all of these plans, and I had a boyfriend that I thought, I mean, he was graduating and going to college, and I thought I was going to go to the same college, and you think you're going to get, I had already envisioned Mm -hmm. my whole life, right? Right. And then, boom, like you talk about the rug getting ripped out from under you. You talk about getting wrecked, literally, literally wrecked. Everything I thought was no more. And so, and nobody to really guide me through that. So, I remember laying there. It was right when the song's old, um, that I Am Desperate For You song. Mm-hmm. It's like an old, like, a worship song. I'm desperate for you, oh Lord. Okay, so I literally laid in as I bawled, like, bawled these ugly tears. And I remember them rolling. I couldn't sit up or move my head, so they would roll down my cheek, my, my eyes and into my ears. <laughs> and I just remember laying there bawling and bawling and bawling and not able to wipe my face. And my arm was completely paralyzed. My right arm that I would use And so I would just say, like, God, I'm so desperate for you. Like, where are you? Like, what in the world? Like, my mom loved you so fiercely, and I have, like, loved you so fiercely. But here's the thing. Her God, in that moment, had to become my God. Mm. I had always lived from that age to 17. This is what I pray all the time over my children. God, they cannot survive on my relationship with you. Mm. They have to have their own. 
and they've got to be a have to. I, I want to protect them as moms. As we want to protect our children from everything wrong. That I never want them to have to face the trials that I face. But here's the thing. That's the thing that made me show. That's made me realize who my God was and where my faith comes from. If I had not endured that road and that hardship, I don't think I would have the light that you see. Yeah. I don't think I would be have the joy to have such joy. You've had to go through some mourning. Like you've had to experience all these things to have the joy that comes after it. And so the joy I have today is because of those times of complete desperation and you're just laying there. I don't know how to go on without you. When there's nothing at the, at the you're at the end of yourself and nothing that you can do is going to change the situation. You have nobody but him. Mm-hmm. And instead of, I could have gone the road, you've got two choices. You can go the road of being angry at him and blaming him and being bitter and staying a victim. And listen, I know people that have stayed a victim and stayed a victim and stayed a victim and they are miserable human beings. And you know what I mean? Their mm-hmm. life is not what it could have been because they're still stuck in that victim mentality. And mm-hmm. there's a time for it. I'm not saying, hey, right. your mom's passed away last week. Come on now, get yeah. out of that victim mentality. No, they're... Like I said, this was years, mm-hmm. but there's got to be a time where you can move past that. And as I laid there and sang that song out and just boo-hooed cried it, um, I made deals, okay? We make, we try to give bribes right. to God, right? Yeah. I would lay there and I would say, if you will just, if you will just get me out of this bed, if you will just, I would stare at my hand, girl. And I would try to, with all of my, I would think, if my brain could just tell my hand to move. Unless you've had a paralyzed limb, you don't know what this feels like. But there's nothing you can do to make it work. Like an epidural. That's all I think yes. I can relate to. There you to. go. You're looking exactly at your legs. Like that, and they will People not are move. picking them up. Yes. You're like, that's not my leg. like an epidural. Yes. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, and I, would, I said, if you would just give me a sign. God, give me a sign that you are here with me. Because if I could just barely wiggle my finger... Mm-hmm. That would be enough of a sign to know that you're here. Right. I just wanted to. I just wanted to know: Are you here? I never thought that he caused it. Okay, in my mind, God is good. Right. I never thought that God caused the wreck. Mm-hmm. You know what caused the wreck? A choice. Yeah. A bad choice caused that wreck. God did not cause it. Okay. I even think. I mean, cancer or all the awful things that we deal with where. I don't know, the people listening, I don't know what they lost their loved ones to. All I can tell you is God did not cause it. The world that we live in, the fallen, the brokenness of Mm -hmm. where we live, you know, it causes things, choices, maybe what you've sown, what the person has sown, you know, the the choices that they've made, maybe that is the cause, Mm -hmm. but God did not cause it. Can he allow things? Yes. Can he prevent things? Can he intervene? Yes. And why he does or does not. So I don't think we're going to know this side of heaven sometimes, you know? And we just have to trust. If there's one thing that I've held on to is that he's working all things together for my good. Mm -hmm. That the scripture I have held on to like crazy. Because if I believe only that, no matter what I'm facing, he's working it for my good. No matter what it looks now, like now, he's working it for my good and eventually I'm going to see. I've held on to that because when I was making deals with him, 
I said, I promise you, if you get me out of this bed, if you let me have a family, if you let me have a life, oh God, if you let me have my arm back, or if I could just get up in a wheelchair, if I could have some sort of a life, I will praise you for all of my days. I will never stop glorifying your name. I will tell everybody that wants to know about your goodness and your grace. And I would make these deals with him. Like, I'll be a missionary to wherever <laughs> you want me to be. Yes. Like, I will go to the ends of the earth. But what happens is, you know, when my hand started moving was on my 18th birthday. He didn't do it that day. Right. He didn't do it the next day. He didn't even do it the next month. But you know what he did? Is on my 18th birthday. My hand starts to twitch. Wow. And it took a long time to get it back. And it still has a little bit. As you can see here, if I try to straighten it up, it'll have a little bit of a shake. But other than that, I have full function of my right arm. And then I began to stand up and I began to take steps and I began to blow the doctor's minds and it's got to be a miracle and nobody understood, right? And it's one thing after another of God just starting to move and so I finally started to see him in the situation. But there are still hard days. Mm -hmm. I don't care how much he blesses you with. I'm not going to lie. I've not sang his praises every single day since then. As I said before, I went through a dark path. I went through a road where I, I covered the grief with with other things, with relationships that were toxic, with with um, prescription meds or with alcohol or with whatever. I've self-medicated. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you know, thank the Lord, I was able to move past all of that. And, and um, having just wise counsel around me and family that supported me in church and just God there speaking to me. Um, I remember one day I was overwhelmed with such grief that I literally was yelling mad because there would be sometimes where you don't feel like you hear him. And I did not feel like I heard him. I felt like I hadn't been able to hear him for so long. And I bawled and cried. And I said, I need a sign. And I don't mean a subtle, subtle sign. I need like a flashing neon yeah. freaking <laughs> sign. And another baseball mom... I didn't even know she had my number ends up my phone ends up ringing and I didn't even have her number saved her name saved so it's just a random number first of all I never answer the mm -hmm. phone if I don't know the number secondly when you're bawling your eyes out usually you're not going to stop and answer <laughs> your phone so I can only give credit to God I don't know why but I reached over and I answered it blubbering mess and I'm like hello and she's like hey this is so and so I'm sorry to bother you <laughs> and I'm like it's okay like I'm crying and she's like She's like, I'm at the side of the road. I was trying to get to work, and I felt like you were just on my heart so heavy that I had to pull over and call you, and I'm just so supposed to say, he sees you. What? Girl. No. Girl. Oh. I'm not, I can't make this up. That's a neon sign. That's a neon sign. <laughs> Did he explain it? All no. Did he fix it all? No. But he will show you, if you ask, that he's still there. And even the latest thing that's happened mm -hmm. in my healing process, I feel like lately, I feel like I've come a very long way, but I was at a point where I wanted to start helping others get out of the pit I was telling you about. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to help others out of the pit when you're still in it. You can. I'm not saying wait till you're fully out. We go through things to help others in the same situation, but... It's very hard to help somebody out of, let's say, a bad relationship or through a divorce when you're in the middle of it. Right. You can relate, but watch who you let help seek you. Counsel. Yes, watch yeah. who you seek counsel from, really, because they're still trying to process their own grief. Mm -hmm. And sometimes toxic and toxic don't go together well. No. So I want I said, God, I want to be able to now help these women. It's been 16 years. I know there's others out there. 
that listen, July 14, 2003 is the day that my life was completely wrecked and there are so many other people on the other side of this microphone that are going through their July 14, 2003. Mm -hmm. They're going through that day that wreck their world. They're going through that grief that we're talking about tonight that they can't get past. They are in the pit. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm at a, I want to heal and I want to get healing from this. God, 16 years has been long enough so I can minister to them. So I can say, girlfriend, I have been there, but look at what I have now. Look at what you can still have. There's hope on yeah. the other side of that grief. And I said, God, what, what is still wounded in me? That I need, you you know, scars. I talk about scars yes. sometimes because I have scars all over my body from the wreck. And sometimes we look at scars and we say like, oh, what happened to you? You know, scars have a, a notion to to be something that, a sign of a wound, a sign yeah. of something bad. But actually, I want to challenge everybody listening to, when you see a scar, that's a sign of healing. It's actually a sign of healing. Mm -hmm. Your body healed. That scar is a sign of healing. So I was like, God, you know, and when you touch it, it doesn't hurt. When you touch a scar, it doesn't hurt anymore. But when you touch a wound, it still hurts. And I said, Lord, it's not the scars that are bad. You know, the scars are healed. Mm -hmm. They are the signs. They're something to rejoice about. They mean, your scars mean you made it through it. Right. Like, the wounds are the things we need to address. And I said, Lord, He's kind of like he was sitting poking around. On right. Me. Like, yeah. you know, oh, that Does doesn't hurt. hurt. That doesn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, ow. And then all of a sudden he would get to a point where it would bring that that pit in my stomach. It would bring that lump in my throat. And it's things this year that I've said, okay, that's the things I'm going to work on. That's the things I want to deal with. And out of nowhere, after that prayer, it was the 16-year anniversary just a few weeks ago when you actually saw the pictures um, on Facebook. I had shared it. And somehow... The um, one of the firefighters that was the one, the firefighter that was assigned to me the day of the wreck, saw the pictures on Facebook and reached out to me. And we were able to have a really long, like two hour conversation. We're actually meeting here pretty soon. And let me tell you, you talk about healing that gave me so much healing because I didn't see it for 16 years. But you know what that showed me? It showed me God was there that day in the middle of my worst moment. I didn't see him. I didn't feel him. It was horrible. It was dark. It was scary. Mm -hmm. He was there. Because that man, Tom, the firefighter, wasn't even supposed to work that day. Mm -hmm. That he was there that day. He got wasn't even in the right like precinct or district or town or whatever. He got called from another one. Showed up, the second firefighter on the scene. And they said, the girl in the back of the Taurus... She's your assignment. He was a friend of my now aunt. Okay? My oh husband's. Oh, gosh. Okay, this is how crazy this is. I am a part of her family now, but at the time I wasn't. Uh -huh. At the time of the wreck, I didn't even know my husband. Yeah. But he sent somebody that he knew I was going to pass cross paths with 16 years later to be the man assigned to me that day, full of Jesus, able to be there for me, pray over me. Tell me, baby girl, this going to hurt like heck, but you're going to be okay. Get me out of there. And it's like the Lord himself was there. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know it until a few, like a few weeks ago. But you will be able to look back and see how he was there through it all. Mm -hmm. And those constant reminders have been the thing to continue me forward. Yeah. And, you know, just meeting people in their grief and just saying... 
there's hope. Yeah. I know you're feeling much grief because there's been much love in this mm-hmm. relationship. And just knowing you will see them again. Be patient with these people. Be patient with yourself. When you've done everything you can do, show yourself grace. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's going to yep. be days that you feel like you should be able to move on, but you just have nothing in you. Show yourself some grace. Mm-hmm. But just make sure that you, you know, pick yourself up at the end of the day. Get something to eat. Yep. Take a shower. <laughs> go out in the sun. You know, just put one foot in front of the other in front of the other and reach out for help from people like we said wise counsel yeah man it's so good i don't know how you could give any more but i got a couple <laughs> questions That's fine. um did this incident put any uh strain on family members was there a period of time where almost bickering because people are mad or going through different stages of grief and then, did you have family turmoil? I guess that's a very strong word, but did you have to work through any of that, or was everyone pretty much on the same page? Yeah, so we didn't necessarily, like me and my sisters are very close. Um, I wouldn't say turmoil, like, you know, fighting, Yeah. but I would say, I think there was some hurt. I think that maybe there is, to be honest with you, um, different ones of us have grieved at different times Mm. and different levels um and I would say maybe when me and my one sister were were ready to forgive the girl um that hit us maybe the other one wasn't quite ready yet and um you know what I'm saying yeah she wants to hold like you can't just because you feel like you're getting healing doesn't mean that your sister or sibling or aunt uncle whatever grieving process has to look the same they're not always going to be on the same page and so like even with I think we still have some aunts and uncles and and some people that like that was my aunt's sister and Mm. that was my uncle's brother and that was like you've got to understand that they're dealing with loss as well and so just because she was my mom and I can forgive the girl and I can you know what I mean get healing at my stage doesn't take away from what they're feeling in their grief and that they miss their sister yeah. You know, and that they maybe, they don't feel right now that they can forgive her and it's going to be a longer process from them. And so instead of letting it bring tension or, or strife or whatever, you just have to, you know, allow them to to grieve and process it in their own way. Yeah. I think, and don't be afraid to share your thoughts and feelings, but don't put that, project that onto them Mm -hmm. because everybody's going to grieve differently and I can see how it would bring turmoil and strife I mean I've heard that it especially the the loss of um a child oh yeah I have heard you know I haven't experienced it but I've heard that it brings so much attention and stuff between parents and um between spouses because Mm -hmm. of just all of the baggage that it brings and, and the feelings and the grief and you get hurt and angry with the other person if if they feel it, if you look and see that they're moving on, right? it's hurtful if you feel like you're still stuck in it. Mm-hmm. So I would say not only extend yourself grace, but the other person too. And just know mm-hmm. that you're both going to grieve at different times and in different ways and that that's okay. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So what about um, your husband's Matt, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, are there ways that he shows up for you when one of those waves comes or early in the relationship 
Um, what were some ways that he's shown up for you? Oh, gosh. Yeah, he's been awesome. He did not ever meet her, right, like we've talked about, but I've told him all about her. And he is so good to just know. It's been a learning process for him, too. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Shout out to Matt. He's amazing. <laughs> yes, Matt. But at the beginning, um, he didn't really know how to sympathize or empathize. He had never lost any. He'd lost some friends. In high school, but he had not lost family members mm-hmm. um, or, you know, a parent. And so it was hard to relate, especially the hurt and the actual physical pain I walked through. He has had to learn how to to be there for me and to just, like, let me vent without having to fix it. So he always, like, let somebody tell you all of the ways that they're hurting or they're grieving and it's okay if you don't have the answers, and it's okay for you to, to not try to fix it. Because we don't sometimes want to hear all the books that you've read on it, or <laughs> all of the scriptures that you can think about yeah. it, or, you know what I mean? Sometimes and that's good stuff. But... It all is all amazing things. Right. But sometimes he, you know, I would try to say something hurt, and he would come back with like, oh yeah, I know my back's been kind of bugging me too. And you want to be like, sucker? Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> shut up with your stupid back pain. Like, look at that, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, I had to realize that just because I've been through worse doesn't make his pain not real. And so, um, we've both learned a lot, but he has been there for me so good just to hug me and say, like, I know that you miss her. And and he'll say, like, is there anything I can do for you, like, or get you or whatever? Like, he's just so patient with me on, like I said, the days are are less and less Mm -hmm. and more, you know, far between, but he will give me space. He will let me, if I want to just curl up in the bed and not talk about it, he understands I don't want to talk, or if I want to share memories and talk about it or Mm -hmm. pictures, He'll just allow me to be. And so I know that he's there and just a shoulder to cry on. And he's been a constant. I just know I can rely on him. Yeah. It's like my, you know, like I just know he's going to be there. Be there. The word is faithful that I think of when I think of him. Like through every surgery, he's just been there, you know, and so my other family members, but to walk that that road um, with me and you know to be mad when I want to be mad like have my back for a minute and then like be sympathetic whenever I just need it here so and to not that's important if you're a spouse especially men want to fix oh yeah it's in their nature Mm -hmm. so if you tell them they're going to give you all the tips of how to get out of whatever you're at and sometimes we just need you to say I'm sorry Mm -hmm. that you're feeling that way you know, and is there anything I can do? You don't have to try to fix it because nothing in that moment is probably going to help make it feel better. But just to know that you're there. Do you recommend like telling them, hey, I'm mad. I want you to be mad with me. Ready? Or, yeah. hey, I'm yeah. going to go cry in bed. Don't give me like yeah. 10 minutes. <laughs> Women, yes, please know. Like if you're, your spouse is not a mind reader. I and wish so, so, they were. Yes, I wish they were. But sometimes... They don't know what you're needing from mm-hmm. them, but we just expect them. We, we, you get hurt in relationship when there are you have expectations that people don't meet. Exactly. Right. Say it again. Okay. You get hurt <laughs> and let down whenever you have an expectation that somebody doesn't meet. Yep. But sometimes they're unspoken expectations. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We learned this. And we went to reengage back. We <laughs> now went through a marriage class together, and the thing that we learned is, how, I was expecting things of him that I never communicated. I just thought that that's how it's supposed to be and if he needed a guideline he needed me to say hey like right now 
I'm really like needing you XYZ. I'm really like, here, here's why I'm hurt is because my expectation with this and I'm, I'm sorry I put that on you. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and sometimes we put expectations on people and on their personalities that they unaware of aren't aware of or even capable of and but in our minds we put the expectations of that that on them and so it's really good to be clear Mm -hmm. about it even in your hurt like I need some like I'm hurting I'm crying right now but I don't like it's okay if you just leave me because they may think oh she doesn't want me to leave her side because she's hurting but maybe you just need space so just communicate it like Mm -hmm. communicate it to your friends as well Mm -hmm. like I really appreciate you reaching out but today I kind of just want to be left alone or whatever, but try again. Yeah, try again. But, but come back another day and try yeah. again. So I like that. Um, the only other one that I still kind of have lingering, and then mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a chance to get any other um, tidbits in there that okay. we haven't touched on. When maybe further back, because you seem to be doing very well right now, but yeah. maybe it still happens. When you know you got to get up and show up, whether it's for now your family, a job, um, school, depending yeah. on where people are at, mm-hmm. and it just you're you're thinking you're gonna have to call it in, phone it in, can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this might be very personal for you specifically, but mm-hmm. what do you recommend? Because um, like in the past, if I've just gotten out of the house, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, it's really changed my yes. attitude, my mood, my attitude. But on those days where you're like. I just don't think I'm going to be able to face today. Mm-hmm. What has worked for you or what could you recommend to others? Yeah, so I'll tell you the days that I absolutely, uh, there has been multiple of those and they still do come. Um, but like I said, less. But at the beginning, I had to show up. Once I got, I had my children. Mm-hmm. There really wasn't options right. of days. Maybe before there may have been an option to just, I'm not doing today. Right. I do not feel like todaying. Um, yes. But <laughs> after you have kids um, and ha- or a job or anything that relies on you, you really don't have an option to just not today. Like, right. You have to get up and find, uh, dig down deep and find something within yourself to keep going. And for me, it was my children. Um, I could not just sit and wallow in in the mess even when I wanted to because they needed a snack right. or their diaper change yes. or whatever. Heaven forbid they Heaven get hungry. Heaven forbid they <laughs> get hungry. And so it's like I had to force myself and I would even tell them at a young age they would see me cry sometimes. Mommy, why are you crying? You know, they don't understand why you're sad and I would even tell them, you know what, Mommy really misses her mommy today. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And they would give me a hug. You know, like they would be there for me to hug me or whatever but I think that Watch how many of those days you give yourself. Yes, it's okay to just some. I mean, hey, if you got the time off, you got the sick day, if you can right? take it and, and just cover yourself back up and give yourself a moment, that's okay. But what? get up, wash your face. Like you said, go outside. What you'll find is with each step, it's going to get a little bit easier and a little bit easier and actually take your mind off of where you're at. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Get busy yourself with something blast some worship music i you know what i'm saying yep. like any whatever that thing is it doesn't you know it doesn't even have to be worship music yep. blast some music find something to get your mind off to anything else but that because 
we can kind of control where our thoughts go mm-hmm. to a point. Mm-hmm. You can either feed into that thought and continue to go and make yourself more sad and more sad and more sad and more right. sad and right. follow that rabbit trail, uh-huh. or you can force yourself to think about something else. And sometimes it's good to, there's a fine line between allowing yourself to grieve and right. staying there. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like it's important to to move on and... Um, Girl, wash your face, take a shower, Yeah, <laughs> you know, get your clothes on and do the best that you can. And mm-hmm. it's okay if you're not 100% that day. Yep. You know what I mean? Give yourself grace for sure. And the days that were the hardest were Mother's Day. Mm. So for me, Mother's Day is like a stab in the gut. And everybody shows up at Mother's Day. You know, you go to church. Well, we always did. And I skipped so many Mother's Days. There were... And to, like I'm like, I'm not getting out of bed. I don't want to go to Mother's Day. I don't want to face Mother's Day. And then I realized, well, my kid... Like, now I am a mother. Now right. I need to go for my children to experience Mother's Day. But it had the worst grief came with Mother's Day. It's like slap in the face, you don't have a mom. Right. Like, happy, you don't Everywhere. have a Mother's Day. Everywhere. Social media. Yeah. So I hop. <laughs> that day was always super hard mm-hmm. until I... You have to start getting your own... For me, it was having um, our own traditions that we did that day. Okay. Getting up, making new memories, making fun things out of that day that I did with my children. You know, um, remembering her, but yet changing that day and what it meant for me. And I actually was asked this last Mother's Day to speak um, at a church for the first time and tell, like, bring a message it was my first time ever to talk to anybody and they asked me to do it on mother's day and i was like you got to be kidding me that's the worst day for me i don't get out on mother's day you don't understand don't they know like don't you know (laughs) to ask me about mother's day and they were like that's exactly why we feel like you should do it and so Mm -hmm. i'm like okay so instead of getting up and being consumed of my own self that day Mm -hmm. i was more concerned about the others that what God was wanting to tell them. Mm-hmm. And so it was now Mother's Day has a different Yeah. Like a change meaning, of perspective. A change of perspective yeah. for me. And so I know that the days are gonna be hard and they're gonna come, but you know, get it for that spouse, for that friend, for that those children, you know, you still have such a life to live and such a gift to give and somebody else needs you to show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So wow. Man, this is chock full of gold. Were there any other points or are you feeling called or anything else you want to be sure to reiterate or add on to all the great things you've already said so far? No, I mean, not really. Like, you've asked some really good questions. It's kind of cool that I'm proud of myself and made through the whole thing without crying. Um, I, me too. I've had to look away and not make eye contact a couple so times funny. and, like, blink fast. Well, and... I was going to ask you. Um, yeah. Would it be okay if I, like, I don't know if this is okay, but is it okay if I pray over, Please like, the women or, or the yep. people, whoever is listening yep. that might be in the midst of going through the grieving please. process before we end? Yes, okay. please. Awesome. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for your goodness and thank you for your faithfulness, God. Thank you for, for being near the brokenhearted. Thank you for each and every person, each and every soul that's listening to this right now. God, whether they are in the midst of their July 14th, 2003, if they just experienced the worst day that they can experience in this season, 
God, I just pray that you are near and dear to them, that you give them something today as they listen to this, something pierce their heart and they know you are there. Just like I said, I've looked back and I've seen your fingerprints through my entire story. God, I pray that you begin to show them how you've been there and where you are because they just need you today. God, I pray that you help their heart. Lord, that, that aching, horrible pit of a feeling in their heart and in their throat, God, I pray that it begin to ease. I pray that peace passes them, peace that passes all understanding just starts at the top of their head and goes to the bottom of their feet right now as they listen to this and that they know that you are there. God, that you help their anger, you help them with forgiveness, you help them to move on and put one foot in front of the other, one second, one minute, one hour at a time. God, I pray blessing and peace over their their life. I I thank you for the memory. I thank you for the great love that they had for this family member, the, the great memories that they have. I pray that they are just overwhelmed with the memories and the love of, of this today. God, and I thank you that you do heal and that you are there. And I thank you that you're going to show up in their lives today and show yourself real to them. And that not just my God, but that you're their God and show up for them in a big way. And God, I, I just feel like maybe somebody on the other side of this, they're going through a season where they feel completely bare. When I was in this season, it's like a, a tree. Whenever a tree loses all of its leaves in the winter and you feel like you have nothing to give, absolutely nothing, you're completely bare, nothing to give. But listen, I had a friend speak in my life one time and they said, girl, you may be bare, but you are not barren. And just because you're going through a season of loss and you're bare right now does not mean you will always be. You will not be barren. You will produce fruit again. You will eventually have something to give, but let yourself rest. It's okay that you have nothing to give right now because it's just a season and seasons come to pass. And this too shall pass. God, and we thank you for the seasons. And those that are further along and that have healed, like myself, I give you praise and glory for all of it. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, you almost got me. <laughs> What's the prayer at the end? With the prayer at the end. All right, everyone go get some Kleenex. Thank you, Stephanie, <laughs> Thank you. again for being. I can't wait to hear how many people this reached and help heal. I truly believe in your mission. Thank you so much for having yes. me. All right, talk to you later, guys. Okay, I don't know about you, but I definitely need a debriefing after all of that. That was amazing. Yeah, so we didn't have the opportunity to record that together but um, for me yeah and so we got together because as soon as it was over I was like Brooke you have to listen to it and then she texted me and so now here we are reliving the awesomeness yes and thank you so much Stephanie that was again uh, I haven't experienced what you have experienced but like you were saying earlier Farron everyone there's something to be found for everyone in this and the prayer at the end holy moly uh, but one of the parts that I really liked that I wanted to talk about was being obedient to the call. So the woman who was so moved that she had to pull over and then needed to call you and she didn't know why. So at that moment, you were praying for a God moment. You needed him to just show up somehow. And if that person would not have followed their call to call you, then you wouldn't have gotten, well, I mean, I'm not saying you wouldn't yeah. have, but uh, that that person had a chance to be a part of um, God in, in the story, like she got to help provide the God moment. So uh, to the people out there who aren't experiencing this right now, you might be the person on the other end. So if you do feel that inkling of, uh, hey, I haven't talked to them in a long time. I know they're going through a hard time. 
call them, call them right then. There's a reason you're feeling that right then, and that's the spirit moving. Yep, and once you kind of, it can be uncomfortable, like, I'm supposed to what? I feel like I'm supposed to call who? Um, But once you follow through on those, and the person is really receptive and like, oh my gosh, thank you so much, I had been praying, or God, or this, or that, it it gets more easier to do and you get more comfortable with it. Well, and you might not even get to see what happens. That's so very true. you might just call and they might need a week to process and then maybe even years later realizing, wow, that was my God moment. As I'm looking back through this whole time in my life, I can see where he showed up. And it's just proving time and time again that God shows up. You just have to look for it. Yep. I There was so much to take away. Um, we hope to have... Stephanie back again to talk on all the subtopics she covered, uh, overcoming depression, um, dealing with uh, prescription drugs and alcohol. Um, We didn't hear much about that. I'd love to hear more. Forgiveness was a huge takeaway for me. Um, One thing that rung true for me personally was when she had the realization in the hospital that God needed to be her God and not her mom's God. Um, I think so many times, at least in my life, (laughs) I went to church because my parents took me. They took me to vacation Bible school. And at some point, you start going through the motions because it's what you're supposed to do or your parents are making you or for the free pizza on Wednesday nights. Um, But at some point, you're challenged with, Oh, whatever life's going to throw at you, which it can be uh, really difficult at times. And you cross that line where it is God is your God and your faith is your faith. It's not your parents' faith that they've instilled on you, taking that ownership. And that um, was something that stood out and was just really powerful for me the way she explained it and experienced it. Right. And so to kind of drive it home, remember Stephanie talked about choosing forgiveness, extending grace. um, Love big. Yes, having faith. And then she did give some really good action points. So what helped her specifically? So this might be a thing you need to listen to two or three times here in the next couple days. Listen to it when you're having your bad day. That, Mm -hmm. That might be just a little reminder for you. If you know someone who's going through something, send this to them. There's a reason that you are listening to it right now. Is this your chance to be obedient to the call? Thanks for listening to the Witty and Gritty podcast, hosted by Brooke and Farron. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and our website, wittyandgritty.blog. Subscribe to our email list to get exclusive updates, freebies, and more. Keep tuning in to learn a little about a lot.